I want to start with a very sad thing. Uh, just before we started our trip to the UK, a very, I got a, a very disturbing email. Um, Udo Andrich is dead. Udo Andrich is, was 30, uh, 33 years old and he uh, was with us uh, from the beginning of, of my, my time being with Jesus. And he was also very, always very supportive and he had the heart of God for the nations. And uh, when we started to work as, amongst asylum seekers in Germany, he was supporting us. When we were moving to Turkey, he was supporting us, making sure we have all what we need. Uh, was communicating this in the church. Uh, whenever we need help in Turkey with funds, he is a fundraiser for us. And suddenly we got this email, he's dead. So it was clear for me that although there was not much time left, that I will be at his funeral. And um, it was very sad. And many people did cry, me included. But there was more than just grief. The, uh, the sense of thankfulness to have had time with this man was even bigger than the grief. His three sons, they spoke about his dad. And the way they spoke, it was full of thankfulness for what he has invested in their lives. And there were his sister there who lives since more than 20 years in China and is church planting amongst the Chinese. And there was this lady there that was sent out by our church to Peru who works amongst the women in Peru. And there was me there who he helped to go to Turkey. And it was very clear that this man, although he never went overseas, although he never relocated, but he left um, traces of God's love all over the planet. And what I found out at this funeral, and what, what I felt God was speaking to me is that life is short. He died, he was not sick, he was swimming in the sea on, on his holiday and a, a motorboat didn't see him and crushed over his head. And he died immediately, totally healthy. And I think he had lots uh, in mind what he wants to do um, still. And the other thing, and by the way, last Sunday I was speaking in another church in the peak and I had a picture of a, of a foot that is about to crush someone. And I thought, yeah, this is probably a bad boss who is oppressing a poor laborer. And I, I had a word of encouragement for this man and a hand went up. He said, yes, I feel oppressed. And I, I prayed with him. And he was a former alcoholic, uh, but found Jesus and was he made his peace with Jesus. He was so happy and he was to be baptized a week after. The next day we heard he died. On the same, on the same day, on Sunday evening, he, he had a heart attack and he died. 
I really think uh, life is short is a is an important message. Sometimes we think we live forever and we have plenty of time, but I think there is a, for me at least, there was an, an urgency. Hey, think about how you use your time and use it like Udo because he invested his life in people. There were so many people who could tell a story how they were uh, impacted by Udo. And they were set free and they, they were able to, to uh, live in their calling. And they did good things because of a man who believed in them and had a wide perspective, the heart of God for the nations, not only the nations, the needy ones, the poor. He was uh, a chairman of um, a ministry that was looking after the, the homeless people. He was always there when God wanted him to be there. And he invested his life in people. And I feel that over his death, what he, he lives on with the things he did for other people. Um, it's really something to, to think about. And what I want to share with you today is going in, that, in this direction. What should we do with the rest of our lives? People around us are hungry. They are hungry and thirsty for real life, for life that is promised by God, but they can't find it because they don't know where to go, what to do. They are lonely. Even when they are in, amongst a lot of people, you can be really, really lonely because you don't have anybody where you feel, um, yeah, where you can open your heart. They are oppressed, stressed out, jealous, envy. They can't be happy if somebody else gets a promotion. They can't uh, clap and cheer with and people yeah, get something special because they are longing to be promoted. They are longing to be seen, to be accepted, to be praised. They are hurt. They are disappointed, hopeless, addicted, enslaved in a lot of bad stuff. And my message for today is, God waits for you to feed them, the hungry people around us. We, the, in, during the worship, we were, the worship leader saying, there is great salvation coming to Middlesbrough. But we all need to know it's not coming like a, like a cloud on the people. It comes with you and me going to people and leading them to Christ. It's not happening without people that go, without people that make themselves available. It's not something God just does like this. He wants this anyway, but he's waiting for you and me to step out uh, getting out of our comfy zone
because then we need faith. It's only happening with faith. When we trust in God, and then He will bring through you salvation. We, we need to remind this. Uh, it's not coming like this, and we just watch and clap. It's coming with us, paying a price. And yes, today we speak about food. There were hungry people as well in a story in the Bible. Maybe some of you can already think about which incident I want to speak. Do you know, Surush? Feeding the 5,000. But they only uh, counted the men, so it's probably 10,000 people. Jesus was preaching his heart out. He was preaching about the kingdom of God, telling the people the truth about the spiritual realm, about eternity, about what God really wants and what matters to him. And he's probably like me. When you have the opportunity to preach, you forgot the time. <laughs> and he, he forgot the time. He was, he was, he was doing why he was sent for. He was feeding the hungry with words of life. It's not just that you need to give food uh, with, with encouragement, with truth, with um, a smile. You can, you can feed people that they can go on. With, and, so he forgot the time. But I think the disciples, they didn't forget the time. They got hungry and they got tired. And then they came to Jesus. Jesus, I think you should stop now. The people are hungry and we are in a desolate area and there's nothing to eat. Send them to the villages. Let them buy some food. And then they got the most amazing answer from Jesus. They don't need to go away. You feed them. You feed them. They were shocked. Is he crazy now? They looked to themselves. They looked to their own abilities. They looked what they can do in the natural. And they, they only found five loaves of bread and two fish. And then the answer was, we have only, it's written in Matthew 14, we have only five loaves and two fish. So we can't do it. But Jesus was different. He didn't say we have only. He was thankful for what they had. And he lifted it up to his father because he knew something. That the God, and, and you can read this in the chapters before, heals the sick, sets people free from demons, and does all kinds of miracles. The, the father who loves the people and wants to give them life, shouldn't he be able to feed the 10,000 as well? Everything what Jesus did was in faith. He believed his father, and he believed that he will feed the 5,000. So he thanked God 
for what they had. We often complain and say, we don't have enough. We should have more. God, why don't you give me more? But it seems that we have already enough for the kingdom. I want to tell you, yeah, and then you know the story. Everybody got fed. Everybody was happy. And there were still many leftovers. Twelve buckets for every disciple who said, we only have, and then they had to carry them home. <laughs> to think more about this incident. <laughs> Don't complain. <laughs> I also said often to God, I only have. When I was a young believer, one, one and a half years uh, being with Jesus, in a prayer meeting, God spoke to me. And this was the first time I, I felt God speaking that clear to me. And he showed me um, a home, an asylum seeker camp, a home building where I was passing with my bicycle from home to church, often. And I remember that first I didn't see this at all. Later, I saw uh, people with different skin color being there, uh, children uh, that were not dressed according to the weather, um, strange smell coming out. It was probably the spices you ate. <laughs> and this was a mix of, of food smell and mold because it was a very old building and not a nice building. And I remember that I once on my bicycle looked there and thought, somebody should do something about this. And I went on to church. Because I didn't think that I could do something about it. Because I only had five loaves and two fish. What should I do? There's a problem. What can I do? How can I change it? It's not in my power. So I, I passed on. But in this prayer meeting, God prompted me and said, why do, don't you go there and share my love with them? And it, there was also faith coming that I can do something. And I said, yes, Lord, I will do it. But then uh, when I drove again with my bicycle and passed this building, lots of doubts and questions came. Yeah, but how? How do I start? Maybe they don't like Germans because they are not tr uh, treated well. Maybe they can't speak German. What should I do then? And what should I tell them anyway? How do you show God's love to people you don't know, you have not a relationship with? So I had lots of reasons not to go there. And, but every time I passed there, my, my bad conscience became bigger and bigger. And I felt terrible about this. And then, then I did something very clever. I asked for help. There was a group of young adults, and I didn't want it to be associated with them because they were also nice and they had a very strange name of their, of their meeting, believers in the church. How do you call this when the doves go to their house? The house of the doves where they stay? 
Dovecot. Yeah, they call them Dovecot. Do you want to be in a, in a group like this? No. But in my, in my need, in my despair, I approached them and I said, I had this impression God wants me to start there to do something amongst these asylum seekers. Are you not interested in helping me? And then the lady I approached, the leader of this group, she said, Oh, do you really mean this place? I'm also driving with my bike uh, there from home to work. And a week ago, I started to pray for these people. Yes, that's a good idea. And then we convinced all the others. And uh, then how to start? We went to the city council and tried to find the right person who was in charge of this place. We found them. And... Then the lady said, yeah, it's a good idea to go there. People will be happy. But you need to do it tomorrow or after five weeks because I go on holiday. And I was about to say, yeah, after five weeks then. But this lady, she said, of course. Uh, then we need to do it tomorrow. <laughs> and I can really tell you that I, I went there with shaky knees. I don't have usually shaky knees, but I was so uh, well, helpless. I was helpless. I didn't know what to do. I felt like a fool going to these people and saying, hello. And what, and what then? But then I experienced something that I, yeah, I was so ashamed. These people, they started to serve me. I didn't serve them. And they put a blanket out and on this old crushed sofa they, they made a nice place for us to sit. They offered me a Turkish mocha, Turkish coffee. This was the first time I was drinking something like this, not knowing that you have to stop at a certain time. <laughs> <laughs> but they treated us like kings. The people who in the beginning uh, had so fierce faces, not smiling at all, probably they had no reason to smile. Uh, suddenly when there came somebody and showed interest in them, they, were, they became alive and they were kind of the different families were fighting for us who would go in their room and when they can serve us food. So we, we tasted all the different food of the earth, Vietnamese, uh, Kosovo, Kurdish food, uh, Pak uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan, everything. And I became alive. This was, and I was working in a bank at the same time. I felt this is the thing I really like to do. Being with these people, sharing encouragement, helping them in a practical way. Kind of what Chill and Andy started with this open door ministry. Wonderful, wonderful. And by the way, the lady that I asked and what finally brought me there is, is with us. She, she became my wife. <laughs> Yes, um, this was a, a wonderful love story. <laughs> I was not expecting this at all. Uh, but sh uh, serving together, uh, this, this brings something. And we are still serving together. And I'm so glad I have my, my wife. Thank you, Heike.
And I'm so glad that God didn't let me off the hook with all my worries about myself, how I look, if they don't uh, answer nicely or whatever. Another time where I said to God, I have only, and I can't, was when, so after we, we were working there in this uh, home, uh, later God spoke to us about the Kurdish people and a sense that we would go there and serve where the Kurds live in Turkey or in Iraq it became more and more uh, obvious and we decided that when there is a door opening in Turkey we would go there and live there as a family and then there was I, I was visiting German, uh, Kurdish people in Germany and while we were talking and speaking about Jesus they got a phone call and then uh, their attention was totally with the phone no longer with me what happened a very strong earthquake hit Western Turkey and uh, this was in uh, 1999 and then lots uh, they wanted to speak to their relatives has something happened to you because on the radio the the numbers of dead were rising every new news um, session so I understood they had better things to do now and more important things to worry about than to speak to me so I went home in my car and while I was listening to the radio like I said the death polls went up and altogether uh, 45,000 people died in this earthquake and then again there was a voice saying yeah Turkey didn't you want to go to Turkey shouldn't this be not something you should be worried about or involved in and I said again no I have only what should I do a big earthquake I'm a banker working with refugees what should I do I can't do anything and I switched off the radio and I resisted to hear more news about it because I felt uncomfortable because I didn't know what to do about it and then I got a phone call maybe two weeks later from an American friend and he said to me you know I just come back from a tour through the earthquake area in Turkey I didn't want to go I also wasn't interested but then people were start sending me money for the ministry we have in Turkey but we had no ministry in Turkey <laughs> but they were assuming that we would go there so he went and he arranged a project to build a school in a town called Yalova um, that was co that collapsed and that the students had no place to study and he said Michael didn't you say that when there is a door opening you would go to Turkey and you would uh, stay there he said yeah but right now I'm very uh, busy with a ministry among the Kurdish people there and it's going really well and um, no uh, find some volunteers he said and raise some money and then we build this school together the earthquake happened in August 99 and in uh, October I was there myself um, trying to build schools 
I was more watching and giving interviews probably <laughs> and speaking Kurdish with the people there. Um, I think I, I wasn't uh, too much of help in a practical way. But I brought friends with me and it was a great time. And during this time he asked me, why don't you stay here? Why don't you continue with this work building earthquake resistant houses? And I said yes, and Heike came with me then to, uh, to the opening of the buildings, and she also got a yes to go there. It was a big decision. We didn't know Turkish. We only knew the people from the school there. But we promised God earlier that we would be ready if he would send us. And we wanted to be of use in this world. And we wanted to see the miracles that other people were always talking about. Not only to hear about them, but to, to experience them ourselves. So in 2000, we moved there with our family. We had two little children, three and one. And I'm so glad that God, again, didn't let me off the hook. I was giving the answer. What can I do? I only have. I have not enough. I was looking to my abilities. And this is what we always tend to do. I think this is not something just about me. This is about us. When there is a task, we look to us. Where Jesus was looking to his father. And I think this is all it needs. It needs to look to the father. And to do what we're always singing, to trust in him. To trust him that he can use me with my five bread and two fish. You don't have to be a superstar. Don't look to your education. Don't look to your age. Don't look to your color. Don't look to whatever. These are all things the devil is trying to influence us not to be used by God. But he, he can do everything. He can do everything. But he's, he can't and he won't do it. Probably he can, but he won't do it without you. Without people. This is what he has uh, decided when he created man. That he brings the kingdom through people be fruitful and fill the earth. And he said this also after the, the fall of man. He said it again to Noah. He said it again to Abraham. He said to him, through you, through your offspring, all the families on this earth will be blessed. And the promise is realized in the church. Because the church needs to go to all the earth and brings the blessing of God to all corners of the world, to all dark places. And there are enough dark places in Milton Keynes, and uh, Milton Keynes, in Middlesbrough, but also in Milton Keynes. <laughs> and we have to bring. Jesus there 
And he entrusts us and he says, you feed them. You give them something to eat. You don't wait for somebody else to go because you have everything it needs to make the difference. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So don't wait for another light. You have it. Just let it shine. Just go to these places and believe that God can use you. And I believe that there are people amongst us today that have been touched by things before. They heard something on the news. They saw people in the street. And they felt this call from God. Would you help this person? Would you do something about this? And then your answer was, but I have only. And you didn't do anything because of all the, the good reasons you thought uh, it won't work. You can't change anything. But I believe God wants to restore this call and, and this, this uh, heart for the people that are hungry and thirsty and need your help. Because God is not just doing it like this. Like I said earlier, and you watch and you clap. He's doing it through us. Who else does he have? Does he have? He needs us. And he wants to do it through us. And it's the most fulfilling life you can ever think of. I lost the banking. Praise God, I had sometimes... Um, nightmares uh, when after I left this job. Seeing myself still there with the boss I had at this time. Oh, and then I woke up, oh God, that's good. No, I'm not going back there. It was just a dream. <laughs> I love what I'm doing. And I'd like to show you uh, a video of last year's um, baptisms. We baptized 59 people. And if I wouldn't have gone there, I wouldn't have baptized them. And this is not only the baptism. It's the stories. It's seeing people responding to, to the Word of God. Being excited about the Word of God. Taking it. Being changed. Being filled by His Spirit. And then making themselves a difference in this world. This is exciting. And I believe you will be excited when you see these, these pictures, if they run. This is our, in our retreat center, what we're also uh, running.
were only the Iranians, then we had the Iraqis and the Turkish. So it is a privilege 
And I feel it like an enormous privilege to be used in this way. We didn't know what we should expect when we go to Turkey. We thought they probably won't like what we have to say. And this was true. Uh, we had a lot of difficulties and we saw not much fruit in the, in the first years. I thought even it's probably not happening that a Turk becomes a believer. But after a while, when God shapes you and takes away all the things where you rely on your own strength, and you say, what should I do? Then God starts to use you. And uh, now, it's amazing. He sent us uh, Iranians. He sends us Iraqis, Syrians, people from Congo, Afghanistan. And they are, they are running away for several reasons, and then they find in Yalova a place where people think about them. I remember how we started the, the Iraqi ministry. We had a guy from Baghdad there who was running a church in Baghdad, and he had to leave there because of death threats. And he said, yes, I like to work with you, so what do we do? We, we said, let's invite the, the Iraqis, you know, to the church, and then we see what happens. So, and on this day, when we, we did this, there were 125 Iraqis in our church. And we had good pizza for them. And then I stood up and addressed them. And I was not really sure what I should say. I said, hello. <laughs> nice to, thank you that you came. And I asked them, what, what are your needs? And they said, yeah, we, we need work, we, need, we like to learn English, we like to, uh, we, had, we don't have enough uh, support, and, and things like this. And I said, for some things, we can do something, but we can't probably help you with all of your problems. And then I said something, and I haven't thought about this before, it just came out of my mouth. But we care about you. because God cares about you. And I think this is all what it needs. God is looking for people who care about other people than themselves. If you can care about somebody else, you are the gospel. Because this is what other people usually don't do. They care about themselves. But if you start to care about somebody else, and you don't need to know and have, don't need to have all the answers in the beginning. But God will help you while you are going along with them. And, I, and God helped us. We are now feeding 100 families every two weeks with a substantial package of food. And the refugees are buying the stuff. They are organizing everything. They, they pack it, repack it then in the church, and then the people are coming, the refugees, and everybody takes his back back. So Jesus said, you feed them. It's so wonder, wonderful to see that we can do this. We had nothing to feed them. But we, we made an appeal, and like we said it to Udo. He said, Udo, we like to feed the refugees. Can you do something? And he said, 
I will speak with my work colleagues. I will speak to other churches. And now, since now we're in the second year, one and a, since one and a half years, we feed 100 families. And we had, in the beginning, we had only five loaves and, and two fish. But we cared because God cares. And this is, I think, I believe that you care. I believe that only some, and I know that some people already stepped out and do great things in Middlesbrough and in, in Jubilee. And you care, and you, you're not just, there are not just words, there are, there are actions behind. And um, I want to encourage the ones who, who still, until today, thought, I can't do it because I don't know what to do. I want to help, but I don't know how. To encourage you to trust God that um, when you make the first step, he will be with you, and he will lead you, and you will succeed like we succeeded. And we can hand out not only food, uh, natural food, we can hand out the living word, eternal life. And this is how salvation comes to Middlesbrough. This is how the, the promise to Abraham is um, worked out through the church in the nations. And I'm, I'm so uh, thankful that I can be with you today because Paul and me, we, we believe and see that there is a, a natural link, uh, a, a link in, in vision, in heart. And you have Iranians, you have Eritreans, you have uh, other people, uh, and you have embraced them. You haven't asked too many questions, but we, we don't know language and, and stuff like this. You just embraced them and said, Yes, uh, they should come and they should be one with us. There are not many churches who do this. Oh, too complicated. Too complicated. And then maybe this will take away our focus to reach the local people. But this is not what Jesus said. And um, with now with Andy and Jill coming to us, I think there's a very strong connection. And I believe it wasn't the last time that I was here, and I believe more of you will come, and you are invited. You are invited, and we will feed you, <laughs> and we will host you. So I'm looking forward to see many of you. And for the ones who say, yes, Jesus, I want to make, I want to be used by you. They should get up now. Um, I want to hear what you have in mind, and I will, with your help, I won't say I have only, but with your help I will say yes. Um, I will do whatever you, you want me to do, to speak to whomever you want me to speak, to reach out to whomever you want me to reach out. You probably heard this, but I like it always. Um, uh, when, some, when you want to explain what faith is, you go up uh, a ladder uh, in, a, uh, 
in a bath where you have these towers where you jump from down the towers. In Germany, the highest is 10 meters. And then you stand up there. I never jump down. I'm too scared. Uh, but then you see there's also no water in the pool. And then you hear God who says, you jump and I will pull the water in. This is how faith works. You don't have a guarantee in the beginning, but trusting in God, you step out and say, I trust you, God. And this is what overcomes the world. In 1 John 5, it says, our faith, it's the faith that, that overcomes the world, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So who wants to make a new commitment today and says, I want to be used and I won't give you the answer like the disciples, but I have only. The next time when you ask me, I will, I'm ready to say something, to do something about it. I would like to pray for you. And maybe the worship leader is able to come forward. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters of Middlesbrough, of the Jubilee Church, that responding to your call, don't send them home. You feed them. You give them to eat. And they, they, they know they can't do it themselves. They know it's not in our hands to make the difference, but stepping out in faith, trusting you as the one who, who cares most. You will give us everything we need at the right moment. And thank you, thank you that I can testify this, that it happened in my life and it happened in so many people, other people's lives before. You are faithful. Who trusts in you won't be ashamed, but will be the most lucky guy. I pray now that Holy Spirit that you speak to my brothers and sisters about people, about places, about ministries. Call them forward, Lord. Call them, Lord. Commission them. It may be here, it may be in the neighborhood, it may be in a different country. What do you want? Release Jesus. Thank you that you are here now and that you bless these dear brothers and sisters.